Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Welcome to the pod. I sound like shit today, so bear with me. I was at my in-law's house, and they have cats, and I'm allergic to cats, and dealing with Virginia allergies, and then coming back and dealing with Texas allergies. Oh, you were in Virginia, too. I forgot. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that's no bueno, for sure. So this whole cold front situation that's going on everywhere is not really helping. Yeah, um, I don't have that cold front. Like, we do, but we don't at the same time. <laughs> like, it's been still in the 80s here, but it's been like a, a breezy, low humidity 80s, which has been nice. A nice 80s. Yeah. But I when I saw that cold front coming through on the news, I looked at, like, our map and was trying to see if we would get like any little bit of that cold front that could just push us down into the seventies for a day or two, like that would be really nice. But, right. Uh, yeah. We're no, in the fifties now that. and yeah. it's cold and rainy. Mercy, it's been cold and rainy here all day, but like, obviously I say cold, like with a grain of salt because it's not really all that cold. It's like, I think at night it's like 75, but like during the day it's like in the eighties. But it's been just like overcasty and rainy and just gloomy for like two days straight. It's icky. Yeah, I guess that's what it's been like here for a week. I mean, we were in Virginia and it was like in the 30s and 40s. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what this feels like. Yeah, that temperature <laughs> change will hurt you too. Yeah, so it's just been all of that. Otherwise, like, I feel fine. That's good. Um, I'm just having a lot of drainage and it's making my throat sore, which is very like, oh, COVID, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. But like, as long as you don't have any other, other symptoms, like you're good. Yeah. So. I mean, the only reason I'm coughing is because I have a ton of mucus in my throat right now. Yeah. You so I apologize. That happens. Um, so uh, how are you? I'm fine. I, yeah, fine. I'm just tired. I'm like, I, I'm trying to make it to Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. That's same. like all I'm trying to do is like make it to Wednesday, work a half day and then take Thursday and Friday off and then like the weekend and it'd be nice. But yeah, I'm all right. I'm just tired. We just had Ocean Fest. Mm -hmm. That was November 3rd, 12th, 
yeah, November 12th. So it was like last weekend or two weekends ago. Leading up to Ocean Fest and through Ocean Fest, I was working 10 to 14 hour days. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I have like, like all this last pay period, like I've just been pretty much like taking slow mornings and like working a little bit throughout the day or like ending early a little bit, but like still trying to make sure I'm keeping some of that overtime for the Thanksgiving holiday so I can take like, you know, Friday off and like half of Wednesday. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I have like 10 hours, 10, 11 hours of overtime still. So, and then we get the Thanksgiving day off. You'll get there. (laughs) I know. I'm just like, uh, and my boyfriend, he's like, he's on his last like two days of, um, his C shift, which is his swing shift. And then when he switches from a C shift back to an A shift, he has five days off in between. And so that lands like through the Thanksgiving holiday, which is nice. But um, yeah, so we're both just like ready for a break. <laughs> yeah. Like this morning, I had a doctor's appointment this morning and it was like at 8 a.m. And like I needed to go to it. And I, was like can you come with me like I just need the support and like he's working a night shift and I'm like I know you're working a night shift so like if you want to sleep I get it right like but he's a trooper and he came with me and then but this morning he was like I don't want to work like I was like I know I don't want to work either but lucky for me like I can work from the comfort of my home yeah and he has to be out saving the world so there's that (laughs) yeah I know I have like basically a day and a half left of work yeah. before Thanksgiving and then we're leaving for Big Bend the week after that so the week this episode drops I will have no service whatsoever which is gonna be great for you I feel like that's always nice having to like lose yeah. service intentionally and I know we've been traveling a lot but like we have not taken any vacation just for us right yeah I feel like it's very important for our relationship to take time that is just for us yeah I agree away from home I just hope that I'm not dealing with this still yeah that would really suck Um, we'll we'll kill the vibe (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean I've been taking allergy meds like since we started getting these northern but I think it's all just kind of caught up with me yeah Um, I'm sure like stress and exhaustion doesn't help either no, but I think if, if it was COVID, I'd have a fever. I'd be coughing a lot more. You yeah. know, I'd be not being able to taste. I'd be, like, in bed, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, the taste thing is, like, definitely a, a symptom, but, like, I I didn't lose taste or smell when I had, had it, thank God. I would have probably cried if I lost my taste and smell. Did you have, like, a fever and stuff? Yeah, I had a fever, but yeah, it was so. like, it was low grade and it, it was like a low grade fever and it only happened like when I was sleeping and then like it would mm. break when I was sleeping too. Mm. So like, I don't know. It was like from 8 p.m. to like 2 a.m. It was like when gotcha. I had a fever. Yeah. Well, I don't have a fever that I know of. Yeah. So. I mean, you would know, like you feel like, yeah. like the chills and stuff. No, none and- of that. No muscle soreness other than my usual 
yeah muscle soreness um and i'm just you know i'm a little hoarse that's all yeah because i'm like still awake and still up and moving and doing things with that's good out a lot of issues so i feel like if it was actually covid i would be feeling yeah. a lot worse yeah when i had covid i was like sleeping all the time it was yeah. like i'd get up and eat and then i'd go into the basement and just like hang out down there and watch a lot of netflix and take naps and do crosswords and then it was like that until like it was time to go to bed then i just walked myself up to my room and go to sleep <laughs> but i was going to sleep at like 8 p.m i think and then like i was waking up at like 9 a.m or 10 a.m like yeah. i was like definitely sleeping and late and going to bed early and then when my dad had it, he like slept so much that like I was concerned because he was not <laughs> answering my texts. Interesting. But he like slept so much. I was like, hey, mom, can you like let me know that dad's awake? Like, are you checking on him? Because like <laughs> if he's like just like out cold for like 12 hours, I feel like he needs to be checked on. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, he literally uh- just got the booster. So I'm almost wondering if this is like a very delayed kind of thing too yeah you you never know it could be Uh, i don't know anything about bodies or illnesses or especially covid (laughs) so i just i am a hypochondriac and i google things and my boyfriend tries to get me to not google things um so for instance earlier today i rolled out one thing that could be possibly wrong with me Mm -hmm. but Instead of taking that as like a win, I ended up googling, "How do you know if you have an appendicitis?" Like, so- <laughs> oh, no. oh no! So there's that. Oh my god! He's, and he's like, "Is that really what we need to be looking at right now?" I was like, "I'm just curious. I want to know like what the symptoms are." Well, just in right? case, because like, I feel like women, our pain threshold is so much higher than men because we deal with periods and childbirth that when we have really intense things happen to us it's hard to figure out if there's actually something wrong with us or not yeah and like I was concerned it was like my reproductive organs and it's not that but like I I realized too it was this has been happening since like September of last year right I found a photo in my phone of like me pointing to like my stomach where it hurts and I sent it to my mom and that was in September of last year and I was like holy shit I've been dealing with this for like over a year. Yeah. And like, I just like time gets away from you and you don't really realize. And like, it's just like a constant dull ache. Like, right. in, in your lower abdomen. And like, I don't know, like on Friday, it felt like a stabbing pain in my side when I was walking up the stairs. And I was like, holy shit, that hurt. And then it went away. Like, you know, and then I'm like Googling like appendicitis, like colon cancer. Like, <laughs> I'm just like not not I'm not the person that needs to be like you know in the medical field that's for sure because I just maybe you need some happy drugs like I have because I had a panic attack today and so I took some and I feel great oh my god (laughs) why'd you have a panic attack because like you weren't feeling well or too much work stress just like a lot of things kind of compounding like my brother's coming for Thanksgiving we're watching two dogs on top of our own dog and like they all get along and it's fine and they're actually pretty chill dogs but like trying to get them in their harnesses today was like a journey oh because they are very nervous dogs once they're over here they're they were immediately fine yeah getting them here that was the headache and then so I feel better about that already. 
That's good. But yeah, like my brother's coming for Thanksgiving. And then we're going to Big Bend. And so I got to like pack for that. Make sure Thanksgiving is good. Yeah, like it's all happy things, yeah. but like it's stressful too. Yeah, I guess that's what it. And I just needed like a chill out. I just needed to like take a deep breath and be like, it's all good. It's, yeah. it's going to get done. It all works out. That's for sure. All right. Well, before I lose my voice entirely, um, yes. do you want to jump into the story? Yes, let's do it. Um, with my <laughs> my sultry, husky voice. I was going to say, we better stop talking so you can keep talking. <laughs> right, right. So, like, this story is very different than I feel like what we were just talking about, even though it kind of takes place in the same kind of areas. Yes. Because um, we were talking about, like, cannibalism last week. So, or last episode. So we're going to reel it in this time uh, and talk about something uh, a little more uplifting. In what the did end. we end up deciding to name the last episode? Something about being a snack. That's what I thought. I was like, I know I'm a snack, but damn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not like that. <laughs> uh, um, so this one, like, I wanted to do because my mom had an encounter with quicksand. <laughs> Like oh my gosh year. so i kind of like went down a rabbit hole with that and found this story and mm-hmm. it takes place in utah which should surprise no one because as we've said many times on this podcast utah is a like, death trap utah is <laughs> a death trap it's yeah <laughs> like you just go there to die i'm convinced yeah. of it. um so let's get into this Many survival situations that we can think of involve adventure stories from our childhood, whether it be pirates on a shipwreck or a deserted island, or an explorer lost in the jungle, or a cowboy running out of water in the desert, leaving nothing in their wake but bones. But one situation, for whatever reason that I feel like comes up again and again in these like adventure stories, is quicksand. Yeah. Which, like, and, have... like, quicksand is that thing, and I've seen a lot more about it recently because TikTok is, like, a thing and people are sharing their thoughts a lot more these days. Right. But, like, quicksand is that thing that, like, you were scared of as a kid. Yeah. For, like, no reason. You're like, when am I ever going to encounter quicksand? Like, never. But for some reason as a kid, I thought, like, I would have at least tried to escape quicksand seven times in my life by now. Yeah. Like, and it I think it seems so possible. <laughs> the closest I've gotten to it is being like stuck in mud. But when you're in mud, you can still kind of move around and get yourself out, you know? Yeah. But it always reminds me, I don't know if you've watched any of John Mulaney's sketches, but he has a bit. <laughs> I love ab- John Mulaney. <laughs> yeah, about just that, where he's like, <laughs> I can hear his voice now. He's like, take I 90, because. I-95 has got a little bit of quicksand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, while we are all aware that places like the ocean, jungle, or desert can still be dangerous, even in modern day, like, how many of us have actually experienced, let alone even seen, quicksand? Besides my mom, apparently. Yeah. Um, uh, But it is ubiquitous in adventure stories of the 20th century, right up to 
you know, the 1990s where the perils of quicksand are depicted in the fire swamps in The Princess Bride, which was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I Yeah, that is a good movie for sure. The Rats uh, of Unusual Size. Yeah, exactly. Those things freaked me out. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, what is quicksand and does it even exist? Well, for starters, quicksand, like we imagine it, rarely exists in nature. Um, when one experiences it, it's less about a quick death via suffocation. As the victim sinks deep into sand as if it were water. But it's actually more about facing a long, hard death from exposure as the victim is stuck in place. So that's what real quicksand is actually like. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about a story of a man's confrontation with quicksand just four years ago in an unexpected place. So when and... I looked up those pictures you sent me, yeah. I was like, wow, these are like really recent. <laughs> I was yes. curious how long ago it was. Like when you said four years, it's like, okay, it was like literally just like yesterday. Right. It was like, I don't know, a year before the pandemic pretty much is yeah. when this happened, which seems like a long time ago, but it's not that long ago. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this ordeal. This pl- takes place on Valentine's Day. In 2019, when Ryan Osman, a 34-year-old from Mesa, Arizona, and his girlfriend, Jessica McNeil, hiked the subway in Utah's Zion National Park. The subway is a semi-technical slot canyon trail, and the actual part that's considered the subway is only a quarter of a mile in length. But it's part of, like, a larger slot canyon trail. Okay. And you can see those pictures. It looks like it's been almost rubbed smooth, like a tube, essentially, through that uh, canyon. So it's on slide three. That looks cool, though. I know. It looks sick. It definitely looks like a subway went through there. Yeah. Like, it looks almost like a tunnel. Or, like, the Great Alaskan Bullworm. Yeah, <laughs> bringing in those SpongeBob references. I saw a meme the other day, and it was like trying to explain a SpongeBob reference to somebody who's never watched SpongeBob is probably one of the worst things you can experience. <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend has never watched SpongeBob, and I say shit like that all the time, and he just stares at me like I have five heads, and I'm like, nope. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just this is for my enjoyment enjoy, enjoyment at this point. Like, mm-hmm. but so I know you, you get the get the references. If you make if you make him watch it, it's only the first first three seasons. The rest of them are garbage. Yeah. Anything after the movie was garbage. The first three seasons. That's where all I feel like all of our jokes come from. <laughs> those episodes. Yeah. Um, but yes, it looks like an Alaskan bullworm just went straight through a rock. <laughs> So if you get that, that's what it looks like. <laughs> I feel like it paints a pretty good picture for people that give that re- get that reference. Yeah, and if you don't, like, figure it out on your own, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so if you remember, slot canyons are actually kind of typical of this area. That's where um, Aaron Ralston got stuck. Yeah. Uh, with his hand on, nice in a rock. Time. Yeah. So they're very narrow canyons, um, and they're kind of hard to see if you're in a plane. 
from above. So let's talk a little bit about Zion National Park, though. So it was established by the National Park Service in 1919 in southwestern Utah and features many red, orange, and pink sandstone cliffs, narrow slot canyons, and a unique desert ecosystem. Uh, Visitors can camp, do day hikes, or even go backpacking in this unique wilderness. This area has been inhabited by humans for thousands of years, including first by the archaic people, followed by the Pueblo and the Paiute, um, who were eventually pushed out by Mormon and other European settlers. And that is a very big, like, just blanket, like, history. Um, The park is home to all kinds of vulnerable and endangered species, including the mountain lion and the Californian condor. Uh, In addition to animals, the park features many unique ecosystems to the region, including arid desert zones, riparian springs, and ponderosa, pine, and aspen forests. So you can experience a lot of, like, ecosystem variation in this one park, which is pretty cool. It is really cool. I love that part. Have you been there before? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where'd you go? I've been there once, like, when it had snowed, and then I was there, like, in the fall. So it was, like, a February 2017 time frame, and then, like, a October 2017 time frame. So you could have gotten stuck in quicksand, too. Probably, yeah, but I, yeah, I would like to say I know better than that, but at the same time, like, I am a dumbass, and, like... I would overlook something like that too. So (laughs) (laughs) I probably would get stuck in quicksand. But yeah, so I originally went out there. The first time I was out there was when I went to um, like Colorado to meet up with my friend. And we did that like really long road trip out through like the national and state parks, like cross country kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was working out in Utah, I would go to the parks and stuff on our long weekends and I want to say that I just went to Zion like after I was done with that seasonal job with my Mm -hmm. cousin um and we did I don't know we did one of the trails that was like it was one of like the more common heavily trafficked trails yeah that's like not very long I don't even know what it was called gotcha yeah but I really liked it I love that park it's really nice and then when Emily and I were there, we camped there and we we ended up sleeping in the car because we rolled up to our campsite and we were just so tired and it was so cold out. And I think it was probably like a little windy too. And we just looked at each other in the car. We're like, do you just want to sleep in the car tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like putting up camp right now. So that's what we did. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, that was it was fun. I don't remember. I I don't know if we saw any like bighorn sheep there, but I definitely saw some bighorn sheep like while I was in Utah and like some mule deer, just like super cool. Mm. That is cool. Yeah. So I definitely think I would have got stuck just because of the way the situation played out. So I'll tell you like what happened to okay. cause him to get stuck. So 
Brian and Jessica had never hiked the subway before, but they knew it would likely be a long day, uh, like 10 hours in total because of the technicality of this route. I think it was like kind of like a, you know, five mile in, five mile out. Oh, yeah, like a long, kind of hike. long day. Yeah. So the day had been sunny when they started. As they hiked, snow started sprinkling on and off. They knew the area was prone to mud, so they had a stick with them to poke like the mud during water crossings to make sure it was safe to cross um, in order to kind of limit getting wet in the cold conditions. Um, About five miles in, they had reached a pond, and Jessica's foot sunk into what they thought was solid sand, but it was not solid sand. Um, And this was less than five feet from the edge of the pond. Um, She fell forward with one hand in the sand and both of her legs and knees started to sink. Um, Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. So Ryan told Jessica to stop moving and not to freak out because the more she moved the more likely she would sink further. Yeah. He grabbed her by the shoulders to pull her out, and his leg began sinking as well. Oh, God. He still had one leg on what he thought was solid ground, uh, so he figured he would pull himself out after using his leg that was on solid ground, which I have done many a time before in mud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. By the time Jessica was free, his right leg had sunk all the way up to his thigh. Oh, God. Um, But she's free now. She's free. But he's sinking. Yeah. Uh, So his left calf was now also sinking, but he was able to free it slowly. However, he couldn't move his right leg at all. Oh, no. And he couldn't get any leverage to pull it out as it was sunk so deep in the sand like up to his thigh aren't you supposed to like crawl if you're stuck in quicksand or like it's something weird that like you're it doesn't seem like you're supposed to do it but you're actually supposed to do it because of like the surface area situation yeah you're supposed to get a lot of surface area crawling helps especially in muddy uh quicksand but the when you go on the wiki how it tells you to like flop backwards onto your back yeah. and like get your foot out that way. Oh my um, god. I love the graphics on WikiHow, by the way. No matter what you're looking at, it's always 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's always like hilarious for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So so he was, you know, sunk up to his thigh and on one leg. So Jessica gave Ryan a stick, which he jammed down into the sand, like basically along the side of his leg, trying to release the suction in the hole that the quicksand had caused. Yeah. Um, He tried to wiggle and pull his leg, but it literally was not moving. Like he could not get it to budge at all. I would start panicking. Yeah. So he described it as it felt like you were just sinking into like wet concrete. It felt like it had dried instantly. I could not move my leg at all. 
So at this point, like trying to get surface area isn't going to really help him if he can't get his leg out. Yeah. Um, Because typically, if there's still air in the mud or the quicksand, you can kind of wiggle it around to break that suction. Step number two on WikiHow says move horizontally. If you feel like you're getting stuck, take a quick couple of steps backwards before the quicksand takes hold. It usually takes a minute for the mix to liquefy, which means the best method of getting yourself unstuck is to not get stuck in the first place. Wow. (laughs) Cool. It will like the image shows like, you know, shimmying like your feet front and back to like create an air pocket. But yeah, the best method of getting yourself unstuck is to just not get stuck in the first place. Right. (laughs) Well, I also think like part of the problem is so focused on getting Jessica out that he wasn't really thinking about his own situation, which I understand for sure. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I understand that, too. So it was at this point that Ryan realized he was trapped in something out of a story, quicksand. So quicksand forms when water or air becomes trapped in sand. There are two forms of quicksand, wet and dry. Wet quicksand is usually found on beaches or in river deltas, which are rich in sand, silt, and clay, which is what Ryan found himself in now. Um, And as did my mom. (laughs) I only thought quicksand was of the wet variety. I did not know it was also a dry thing. Yeah, it's rarer though. Huh. Um, so water can kind of, or air can kind of do the same thing, but it's a very rare thing that happens. So, and this quicksand effect is actually something that happens a lot in grain silos. Oh, um, where that's the grain, weird, but the also grain kernels. Sense act like sand and there's air in there um and so basically when it's exposed to sudden stress such as the weight of a person it becomes unstable and once you step on it the sand begins the sand i guess or the grain begins to liquefy and you begin to sink um so when the sand gradually mixes with water or air again you float back up to the top um While in pop culture, people stuck in quicksand usually sink quickly. In reality, most people sink, but once again, as the sand mixes with uh, water or air, the person just becomes stuck. Um, The drowning that is often associated with quicksand often happens when a person is trapped for a long time and Mm. either the tide comes in or you fall in the water from exhaustion. Oh, God, that's... Yeah, that's that's one way to go. That is a way to go. Um, I do not ever want to experience that. No, (laughs) no, thank you. Most basins of quicksand are rarely deeper than the height of a human. So it's likely you won't actually drown in the actual quicksand itself. Um, I was just reading that on Wiki. It says, relax, quicksand usually isn't more than a couple feet deep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> great <laughs> well then it goes on to say but if you do happen to f- come across a particularly deep spot you could very well sink quite quickly down to your waist or chest if you panic you can sink further but if you relax your body's buoyancy will cause you to float that's why they tell you to stop moving and stop panicking yeah. which is easier said than done um, 
So research shows that just to release one foot from quicksand after it's become solid again, um, you would need to provide the force of 100,000 newtons or the strength to lift a medium-sized car. Oh, God. So once you're trapped, it's really a big problem. Um, The dry quicksand effect is also often fatal as... The sand, or in many cases, grain, rush into the gap every time you breathe, making it progressively harder to actually get a breath. And so you Uh. suffocate that way. So really fucked up. So in order to get out of wet quicksand, you must wiggle your leg in order to introduce water into the sand around your feet to kind of liquefy the sand. Um, You need to stay calm and lean back and spread out your weight evenly on the surface by laying down and wait until your feet float back up to the surface. Kind of like what you said when you looked it up on WikiCow. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's not wrong. No. Um, Alyssa Baltris, a spokesperson for the park, says of quicksand at Zion, Quicksand is not normally a problem at Zion, but it does happen if conditions are right. We have been unusually wet here this winter, and the weather was most likely a contributing factor to Ryan's predicament. Yeah. Back to our couple. Um, At this point, Jessica had started scooping the sand out around his leg with her hand, but the hole was refilling faster than she could dig. I was just about to ask if that was the case. Yep. Um, Eventually, realizing that she was now completely soaked um, from the water that was sitting on top of the quicksand. Yeah. uh, Ryan told her to stop digging as she was wasting energy. Ryan knew he wasn't going to be able to get out of the sand as it was at the moment. Um. Uh, at, and at, at the least, the temperatures were in the 30s that day, oh, uh, which made the water temperature even colder. Hypothermia. Yes. And the fact that Jessica and Brian were becoming soaked was pretty dire at this yeah. point. And this is only like a couple of minutes after this happened that they're realizing this is a big problem. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like the oh shit moment. Yeah, and you can see a picture of, like, where he got stuck on slide four, as well as a nice little diagram of quicksand. That's cool. Uh, So it's like, it almost looks like a creek with a sandy bottom. Yeah, so, like, in the picture of, like, his approximate location. Yeah. This is snow on the ground, right? And then, like, Mm -hmm. the brown is the quicksand because... It also looks like one of those photos where they just picked out the brown color and like made the rest black and white. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So I couldn't about. I couldn't tell if it was like super edited or that if that was all just snow and then quicksand. Yeah. So the that bottom part is very shallow water and underneath is like this very fine like red clay sand. Yeah. But yeah, it had been snowing that day so there was snow on the ground at this point so that's kind of like what it looks like i guess so and they got in this predicament because his girlfriend fell in there first yeah 
Okay. She I got- just like wanted to remember because also this picture looks like something that you just wouldn't step into unless it was like an accident. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're on a trail and you're walking and you see like a brown puddle like that, you're not like, oh, I'm going to go walk through that. I'm going to stay dry on this side of the path, you know? Right. Well, it might be that they didn't really have a choice but to cross, do a water crossing. Um, gotcha. But it seems like it was an accident when that she fell in. Yeah. So they took an assessment of the situation. They had zero cell reception. And it was unlikely that anyone would come across them as it really wasn't a very trafficked trail. And it was February. So there's not a lot lot of people in the park at that point. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure they're far into the park too. Yeah. On this trail. Right. Because they've already walked like five miles. Yeah. And it's kind of like a a there and back trail. It's not like a loop. Loop. Oof. Yeah. So not great. Um, so it was also snowing on and off and cold. They were five miles away from the trailhead. In addition, a layer of water was now covering the quicksand. And Ryan told her that she had to leave and get help stating, I didn't know what would happen, but I didn't want to think that she wouldn't be able to get out. It was 2 p.m. when she left him there and the sun would be setting soon. She left him with as much cold weather gear as she could to keep him warm and started the five-hour trek back to the trailhead to get cell service. Five hours. I would be losing my mind if I left my boyfriend in quicksand for five hours. Yeah. I, yeah. I would be sprinting. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, you Corey. can't make me more tea. <laughs> Can I have a mint tea? Thank you. I love you. So uh, sweet. So sweet boy. He is a good boy. But yeah, five <laughs> hours. Um, <laughs> Like, honestly, if they hadn't made the decision they did, like, this could have turned out really, really, really bad. Yeah. And it turned out pretty freaking bad. So we'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Okay. So 30 minutes after Jessica left, it started snowing heavily. Ryan stated, that's when I thought I probably was not going to make it out of here. He was wearing a big jacket that would keep him warm for a while. So he zipped um, his jacket all the way up and pulled a beanie over his face, trying to keep his head warm. But he didn't have gloves. So he tucked his hands into his sleeves. He was worried that Jessica would not be able to make it back on her own as it was a hard hike out together and she was soaking wet when she left and snow was falling heavily. Yeah. So the stick that he tried to use to get his leg out um, was like stuck in the sand in front of him too. And it had conveniently like a Y shape on the top. Oh. (laughs) So he used it to rest his body on. Okay, yeah, because it's like a crutch. Because he's basically standing like a flamingo. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's using it as a crutch. So the snow initially lasted about 30 to 40 minutes. And when he pulled his head out of his jacket, there was close to an inch of snow on top of him. Oh my god. 
yeah so following this the snow cleared up and for a couple of hours conditions were clear and fine but still cold he felt pain and pins and needles set in on his leg oh no and he thought i know and he thought he might have tweaked his leg trying to pull it back out no you're just getting frostbitten (laughs) i know it's not tweaking it yep um in addition the water was so cold it was becoming painful um and he was becoming convinced that to get out of the situation he was gonna have to leave his leg behind which is very much uh aaron ralston yeah (laughs) modern day yeah so not great yeah not great and it's about to get worse is it yeah. I feel like it can't get any worse than this already. You know, it's always going to get worse with me. Oh, I I thought we were at like a turning point where it's no. like, we've gone through the worst of it. No. Because I skipped ahead in the photos. So I was like, okay, okay, we, we're, we're going to, we're going to get through this together. You fool. <laughs> How could I be so dumb? Side note, I... I I've been making jokes that I'm gifted now. So <laughs> like I um I have that app. It's called Impulse. It's like all those brain games. Mm-hmm. And there's like a a test on there for your like IQ. And like my IQ is like a gifted IQ. And I've been joking with my boyfriend now whenever he's like, Oh, you're so smart. Like that was a good idea. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I am gifted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I want to start doing that. <laughs> He's like, okay. And then, like, that backfires on me because I want to do something stupid. He's like, I thought you were so gifted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was just my side note. I forget why I said that, but we, we were saying something. I don't know why. I don't know. Just because I called you a fool. Yeah. I was like, oh, how can I be so dumb? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty gifted. <laughs> okay. So. After a few hours of clear weather, it started snowing again with no signs of stopping. Oh, God. So he already has like an inch of snow on him and it's going to pile up more. Yeah. So a blizzard had moved into the area. However, Ryan was unaware of the intensity of the storm that was now bearing down on him. Gosh. So this was kind of a sudden thing. Uh, Yeah. So... I understand the sudden weather change. I've been there, done that. Not with snow, but been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. So he pulled his head back into his jacket and fell asleep. Um, Oh, he didn't know how long he was asleep, but he woke up falling backwards into the shallow water above the quicksand. Oh, no. Which soaked his pants. Oh, no. But also, like, that's what WikiHow tells you to do. You're supposed to fall backwards. When you, when I tell you how he got out, I don't think, I think he was so far beyond. WikiHow? Wiki. (laughs) (laughs) WikiHow would not have helped him at this point. I feel like WikiHow is, like, not the bar we should be setting for. Like the following bar is almost on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so now his pants are soaking wet and his jacket sleeves are now soaking wet because he like had to pull himself up by grabbing the stick. 
Yeah. So now his sleeves were frozen solid at this point, which is not great. No. Um, it's definitely like, what is it? Frostbite City. Thank you. Hi, Corey. You want to say hi? He's kissing our dog affectionately. Hi. Hi. All right, go watch the other little ones. Are they being good? Okay. Ooh, that's nice. All right. So at this point, um, he said that he knew if he fell back in, he wouldn't be able to pull himself out because that was the level of exhaustion that he had hit. He was not really sure how many hours he had been out there. That's so sad. Yeah. At this point, um, his hip had pretty much given out from exhaustion. So he had to rest his face and arms on the Y-shaped stick in order to stay as much out of the water as possible. So he's, he's exhausted. He estimated it had been about five hours since Jessica had left. And he reasoned that if they were going to bring a helicopter to rescue him, the helicopter would probably be there by now. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it takes her five hours to get out there. She's got to, like, find somebody. And then they got to, like, make a call and arrangements. And how long of time did you say passed? When he was, he like... He didn't in- know. That's the thing. Oh, he he yeah, thought he about know. five hours had passed, so... Yeah. At that point, I feel like your mind starts playing all kinds of tricks on you, too. I would be so bored with my thoughts. <laughs> I could, I would just be like, God, does somebody just, like, come here quick? Like, I, I would probably start trying to play games with myself, like, counting the birds and, like, trying to, like, <laughs> like, find the species or, like, you know. In whiteout conditions and a blizzard? That you'd be trying oh. to count birds. Yeah. Didn't think about that one. Um, I don't know. Maybe start counting snowflakes. <laughs> like, I my, my ADD brain could not be stuck in quicksand. I can tell you that for sure. I would literally go nuts. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I feel like, like so many of these stories that we talk about, there's like this level of like mind-boggling boredom that plays in as yeah. well. Like when you think about you know, uh, Harrison Okine, who was stuck underwater for however many hours with literally nothing to do. I, but like, and he was like hearing sharks and stuff, yeah. eating his like coworkers' bodies. Like, I, yeah, I would not be okay. But you'd also my, be bored. My, yeah, I would be really bored, but I would also not be okay. Like in yeah. quicksand, I would be okay, but I'd be bored. But like in that guy's situation, I would not be okay, and I would be very bored. Like- yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's like kind of freaking out now because it's completely dark at this point, and he realized his energy was running low, and he knew he was soaking wet, and started realizing he wasn't gonna make it, and instead began trying to figure out ways to die faster. God. So. He That's knew, bad. however, that if he fell back into the water, he would drown. And yeah. he didn't want to die that way. That's fair. Because 
That would suck. I'd much rather do the hypothermia route because I've heard it's like going Don't you get into warm yeah before? Yeah. yeah Like you hit a point where you're warm. yeah so I feel like I feel like that would be a little better than drowning Yeah. but then again I'm you know safe and warm and comfy I just, yeah, I hope when I go, it's quick and easy and painless. right That's all. just in my sleep that'd be great Yeah. So instead of trying to figure out how to kill himself, he began thinking about his family and trying to remember the last time he had seen them. And then once again, in exhaustion, he fell asleep. Oh, But poor guy. he awoke when he heard a noise. Oh, He a noise. pulled his head out of his jacket, but it was difficult as the snow on his jacket was starting to freeze. That Oh, is no. when he saw a light move. And he realized it was a person. Well, that's good. It's great. Signs of life. Yeah. He began yelling for help immediately. And it turned out that Jessica had managed to get help. And the rescue, Tim, I mean, a guy named Tim, <laughs> rescuer, uh, began yelling back at Ryan. He ran up to where Ryan was and got up on the rocks nearby so that he wouldn't sink in the quicksand too um Yeah, that's the this last was thing around you need is your your saving person getting stuck to. right <laughs> literally the worst so this was around 10 p.m at night so jessica left him at 2 p.m Okay. it's now 10 p.m So that's about right, though, for what I was thinking. Like, it would have been, like, 7 p.m. by the time she got back there. Maybe a little bit later because, like you said, she was, like... wet and cold like that's gonna slow you down but then you also got your adrenaline rushing because your boyfriend's stuck Yeah. Right. no uh, i don't know but like 7 p.m like parks are park offices are closed Yeah. so then like you have to find somebody and like what if she didn't have the car keys because he had the car keys Oh shit, I didn't even think of that. yeah like so then she's gonna if if that's the case then she has to Literally either find somebody that can drive her and just hope that they're not a serial killer and, like, take her somewhere to, like, I don't know, make a phone call, find a bus station, I don't know, get an Uber, whatever. That's Because, true. like, the park has cell service, I think, but it's, I don't even think it's all that great in the, in the park still, though. Right. So, I guess, depending on your carrier, it might be different, but, Yeah. yeah, like, it, like, so... rescuers coming around 10 p.m that doesn't surprise me Yeah. that for me i feel like that's actually pretty quick because they came within the same day Right. Yeah, so he had been stuck for nine hours at this point. yeah Which is quick when we take all that to consideration, but imagining him literally just standing there in full the day's cold work water for nine hours. it's full day's work right there yeah i would hate that Um. So the rescuer, Tim, told Ryan that Jessica had contacted him um, and that she was okay, but she fainted right after making the emergency call, but rescuers were able to find her. It had taken her four hours to get to the trailhead, which was really quick, all things considered. Yeah, because she's probably booking it. I'd be booking it, too. Yeah. Um, so she was able to get cell service and call 911. 
Um, when they had found her, she was suffering from hypothermia and was taken to the closest hospital. Uh, she said of the hike back, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Scariest thing. I didn't even know if I would be able to do that hike by myself. There was a couple of times I thought I might as well just turn back and we can just be together for the last moments. Oh. So she was struggling as well. Yeah. And she likely, because she didn't turn back, saved his life. Yeah. Um, they better still be together. See, I was trying to figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to track that down. Like, how are you going to break media. up with someone after they saved your life? Right. <laughs> so shitty if that happened. So she managed to show them a picture of where Ryan was. And Tim was able to get to Ryan in three hours. With the res- rest of the rescue crew about an hour behind. So there were more people coming. He was just the oh, first good. to reach Ryan. That's like such a sign of relief, though. I'm sure when like you, even if it's like not the person that's going to be doing like the main rescue, but like you know somebody else, like knows where you are and yeah. sees you, and like more help is coming. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine. But it wasn't a hundred percent easy to get him out. So. Tim first attached a pulley system around Ryan's waist, um, building up a system of rocks around Ryan for the rescuers to step on to be able to, like, maneuver around him. Yeah. Um, So, but when he began ratcheting on the pulley system, Ryan began screaming in pain um, because he still wasn't moving. And so the pulley system was basically stretching his body. Oh, gross. Yeah. Um How'd Tim was wearing out then. Huh? How'd they get him out then? We're getting there. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's Something okay. Ahead. Uh Tim was wearing a dry suit to protect him from the cold and began to change tactics, digging in around the quicksand. Tim, like Jessica, quickly realized this wasn't gonna work as the sand was filling in as fast as he could dig. Um, And he knew that they would have to wait for the rescue crew to be able to pull off the rescue. As it would certainly need multiple hands. Yeah. The pulley pulled at three pounds per square inch. And Tim knew they would be able to get him out with multiple people helping. But he didn't know what damage or injuries it would do to Ryan's leg. Um, And when he told Ryan this... Ryan stated that I didn't really care at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, just get me out of here. Break my leg if you need to. I don't mm-hmm. care. So once the rescuers arrived, they strapped the pulley to his leg, digging and like some of them were digging and then they would scoot the strap further down and then they would dig some more and scoot the strap further mm-hmm. down all the way to Ryan's kneecap. Um. One of the rescuers told Ryan that he was lucky to be alive and said, I'll be honest with you. You should be dead or unconscious right now. Which is like, oh, my God. Exactly. Like, hey, man, like, you're really lucky right now. You're alive. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You should be dead or unconscious <laughs> right now. It's <was> crazy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cool, dude. Thanks. Can you just keep putting this thing on me? And get yeah. Me out can here? you just like, <laughs> literally, I don't care if you rip my leg off. Like, let's let's get this done. Oh, God. So 
Brian stated of his experience, my leg was so cold that every time they touched my skin, it felt like the most jagged knife going into it. As soon as I got everyone in place, two of the rescuers grabbed Ryan's shoulders and Tim began digging as fast as the pulley could be ratcheted. So with the combination of the the pulley and the digging, that mm-hmm. was what they were hoping was going to do it. Gotcha. Ryan said, it felt like a crazy amount of pressure ripping my whole leg off. Tim got his hand around my ankle and just started pulling up and I felt it moving. I screamed to keep going. After about three more ratchets, my leg was out of the ground. I felt all the pressure release and they dragged me to the side of the canyon. I couldn't feel my leg at all. It was the worst pain I have ever felt. I'm sure. I can Um, imagine. So all in all, it took them about an hour for from the team's arrival to get Ryan out of the sand. Which, like, pretty quick when you think about the circumstances. But imagine, like, pulling like that on your leg for an hour. For like an hour, yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan remembers being freezing cold and hugging one of the rescuers for five minutes for warmth. <laughs> um, the rescuers got Ryan out of his wet clothes and into a sleeping bag with heating pads. And within 45 minutes, his body was back to normal temperature. But he said his leg felt like it was still completely frozen. Yeah. I'm sure there's like nerve damage there. Yeah. So he asked if he could radio Jessica to tell her that he was okay. And they um, obliged. So he was able to talk to her. That's good. Um, It was completely dark at this point. Um, but the rescuers told him that they had to set in for the night because snow began falling again and the helicopter could not come in. So they were going to have to spend the night there. While he's freezing? Yeah. Did they have enough supplies? Well, I mean, they brought sleeping bags and stuff like that. Um, Gosh, I still feel like that would not be enough if I was just like borderline hypothermic. I don't know. I'd be thrilled to be out of the the sand and in a sleeping I would be bag. thrilled. Yeah, no, I would be thrilled to be out. But like, and you said that they like took him out of his wet clothes and put him in a sleeping bag with like hand yeah. warmers and stuff. But like, I still, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like I would be grateful, but I would also still like in the back of my mind be concerned that like I'm gonna still like, I don't know, get co- yeah. like too cold again, right? Relapse, you know. So they did help also have medical supplies because they did give him an IV and very strong pain meds. So he just like crashed. Um, oh, okay. So he didn't remember any of that night, really. That makes it better, I guess. Um, so he woke like- up at 6 a.m. on February 15th. There were six inches of snow on top of his sleeping bag and snow was still coming down. So they were like, that was going to be my other question. Like, did they have a tent or are they cowboy camped out there? They're cowboy camping. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So the thought at the time was that the, his leg might be dislocated and Ryan still couldn't feel them touching the leg. So there was still a lot of concern there. So when the snow finally cleared up about four hours later at noon, a rescue helicopter came and airlifted him out and 
Ryan states at this point that he could finally move his toes and he felt like like he was beginning to thaw out and he felt an enormous relief. So you can see the pictures from like the video footage of the rescue and you can kind of see where their camp was down there. That's wild. He was airlifted to a hospital in St. George, Utah and was reunited with Jessica. Ryan said upon seeing Jessica, I couldn't stop thanking her and telling her how strong and brave she was because I mean, she saved his life essentially. Yeah. Um, Sorry, hold on. His leg was really swollen and the size of his thigh basically all the way down to his ankle. Oh my god. Um, But the doctors didn't find any fractures or breaks. That's good. But he did have some muscle damage. That's probably to be expected. Yeah, but he was able to walk out of the hospital within hours. That's really good. Of being rescued. Ryan, however, was still dealing with the mental fallout from the experience and took a week off work. Yeah, um, I would too. I'd be like, hey, sorry guys, I went through something super traumatic. Right? I- I'm gonna need some time. <laughs> like, I almost died. Uh, <laughs> okay, thanks. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Just So, chance. Jessica, though, had to go back to work during that time, and he had a lot of problems with this because in his mind, he couldn't figure out if she was going to come back. He said it was crazy to feel like that because, I mean, she left him to go get help. And so his mind was still kind of in that state. Oh, yeah. Like she went to work, but he's like, oh, she left. Yeah. Like, Will she come back? Ugh. gosh. Yeah. That just shows how traumatized he was from it where it's like, mm-hmm. you don't realize that that's the trauma that's happening. No, you don't. He said he also had dreams of falling water and drowning. It's hard talking about it. I've never found somebody who was in a similar situation. I sat there for 12 hours and knew for sure I would die, but I didn't. He stated he had a lot of pain in his leg um, from the soreness and his body um, had a lot of exhaustion from the ordeal and said he didn't think quicksand would become an issue on a hike. He knew that there were areas on the trail that were muddy uh, and you might sink up to your ankle, but nothing more than that. He states that he definitely doesn't want to hike in the wintertime anymore and that it's hard to process it all still, but I'm still alive. It was just an unlucky step. Um, and he states that they were as prepared as they could be. Yeah. And um, that that's the story of uh, Ryan Osmond and Jessica McNeil and their scary experience with quicksand. That, that's very wild. Yeah. And you can see on slide six, um, this was, I think, taken like a week after the ordeal. And you can see there is some damage on his leg. Yeah, it's still, it looks like it's still bruised and cut yeah. up and everything. But the fact that he, like, walked out of there, basically, like, from the hospital. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crazy. I I'm like, can you just keep me overnight? Because I'm tired. I don't want to drive home. Yeah, it's like, can you just keep me here, please? 
I am going on Instagram to search for him to see if they're still together. I did. I already did, but maybe Aww. you can find out. Oh, on the uh, subject of getting stuck. He's a photographer. Is he? Sorry. Yeah, okay. I found him. <laughs> At least his photography page. On the subject of getting stuck, though, what's up? Um, my dad has some things to say about last episode. Oh, yeah? What's he got to say? Well, because remember, we were questioning, like, what were his parameters for getting a vehicle stuck? <laughs> like, like, are you really stuck if it's, like, within, like, the same day? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I have some clarification. Okay. Um, so basically what he said was that you are not stuck until you have exhausted all of your restoring movement. So that includes your winch, stacking rocks, using your jack or whatever. Um, okay. Using somebody as a vehicle anchor is also okay. Uh, but if you have to get physically pulled out, by somebody else then you are stuck so if you can restore movement on your own then, then you were good. not stuck gotcha which i'm like i feel like there's a fine line between using a tree or a person or like a vehicle as an anchor vehicle and actually having the vehicle pull you out yeah but that is what he said and I said, okay, I will revise our statements then. And he was like, yeah, you make me sound like I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> no, we were just wondering. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> so for anybody wondering, my dad is not a complete idiot when it comes to this specific thing, I guess. He's a very smart person. He's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find out if they're still together? I have not, but she's not in, like, any pictures, and I'm, like, back in 2016 right now, so. Are you sure it's the right guy? Yeah, it looks just like him. All right. We'll do some like, digging and, and maybe get back to us on the next episode. Yeah. Because I want to know, too, because, like, you can't, like, go through that kind of experience with somebody and, well, I don't know, maybe maybe the trauma is too much. Yeah, could that be. might be a reason for breaking up, but here I'm trying to get like a picture of his face. I mean, all his pictures are like, huh? Can you see that? Yeah, that does kind of look like him. Like, he's got the same glasses and everything. Yeah, and stance, like, and like all his pictures are in like the desert. So, and that's probably that. Yeah, sorry, Ryan, we're creeping on you because we I was know. just about to say, this is really <laughs> creepy how easy it is to like this information out like it looks like he has a child that's about like five or six years old so oh shit like could have had a kid after this ordeal yeah maybe all right well when you find out i'll let you know but until then um do you have a conservation topic a conservation topic so, actually, <laughs> real quick before we jump <laughs> into that, um, let me do my sources. Um, excuse me. Uh, so, I was trapped in quicksand for 12 hours in a blizzard. 
written by Ryan Osmond and Jason Daly for Outside Magazine. Uh, Arizona hiker rescued from quicksand in Zion National Park tells full story from 12 News. Uh, quicksand traps Zion hiker in Freezing Creek for 10 hours by Mike Moffat of San Francisco Gate or SF Gate. Um, they were hiking in the wilderness with no cell service. Then they fell into quicksand by Kayla Epstein from the Washington Post. Uh, Can Quicksand Really Suck You to Your Death? by Claudia Hammond of BBC. And then the Zaya National Park um, page from the U.S. National Park Service. Cool, cool. For my sources. All right. Very nice. So we're just going to talk about some animal facts real quick. For a little conservation aspect to the pod. Oh, yeah. Um, Zion is home to over 78 species of mammals, 291 species of birds. You know I love my birds. Mm-hmm. 37 species of reptiles and amphibians, and 8 species of fish. <laughs> I am curious about the fish now that I read that sentence. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about the Eric. Mexican spotted owl first. Okay. They're <laughs> oh, probably there's... all trouts and darters. I have a it probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably is. All right. Sorry. Continue. There's like cutthroats in there. Yeah. You got your yeah, browns and rainbows. Um, anyways. Um so though all the animals in Zion are protected by the national park designation, some animals are of special note. Zion is critical habitat for the Mexican spotted owl, a species classified as threatened at the federal level. A small population of Mojave desert tortoises is being monitored along with the endangered southwestern willow flycatcher. And for all of y'all out there that does not know what it means to be an endangered or threatened animal under federal law, like there are some strict rules and regulations against or for interacting with these animals mm-hmm. and if you break them you go to jail like yeah <laughs> you go to jail <laughs> yeah and it's gotten to the point where if you want to build something or if you're trying to do some kind of industry or mining or something like that in an area where these animals potentially could live they could basically if they find habitat and like an endangered animal in said habitat then you could basically get kicked off of your land for for that use anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah i live on a wildlife refuge and there is the endangered key deer here and you are not supposed to get within 50 feet of them but what do tourists do every time that they see them they get within 10 feet of them and try to feed them food so this reminds me of all the like people at Yellowstone that like get super duper close to like bison and stuff that God. are like crossing the roads it's and like give them space. <laughs> You're making me nervous. I can't imagine how they feel. Right. Like... <laughs> Jeez. All right. Anyways, the Mexican spotted owl. The Mexican spotted owl is one of the largest owls in North America and is listed as threatened by the U.S. and Mexican governments. It includes the or excuse me, the Mexican spotted owl is one of the three subspecies of spotted owl that includes the northern spotted owl and the California spotted owl, and is geographically isolated from each. 
Plumage and geographic distribution distinguish the Mexican spotted owl from the California and northern subspecies. The Mexican spotted owl ranks as one of the largest owls in North America. Of the 19 species that occur, only four are larger. The average length is 16 to 19 inches. The average wingspan is 42 to 45 inches. The average weight is 19.5 to 23 ounces. And the subspecies exhibits reversed sexual dimorphism, which means the females are larger than males and on average 100 grams heavier. Oh. Um, HBIC, what can I say? <laughs> spotted owl. Uh, the males and females are similar in appearance. They both have brown and irregular brown and white spots on the abdomen, back, and head. Because the spots are larger than those of other spotted owls, they appear to be lighter. Unlike mm-hmm. most owls, Mexican spotted owls have dark eyes. The brown tail is marked with several thin white bands. They're actually really pretty. They're not like those creepy, gross owls. Are you talking but, about bar barn owls? Yeah, I guess so. The ones with I the just, white faces. I think owls are cool, but like their eyes definitely stare into your soul. And I'm gonna send you this link because this is what I'm I'm reading it off of the NPS website for Zion. Okay. And just this picture is creeping me out because it's like they're staring into my soul. So that have one. you ever uh looked at um an owl's ear? No. Does it go right through? Huh? Does it go right through their head? Well, it's it's more that it's just kind of creepy and their ears are at different levels on their head. So like oh, they'll have weird. one farther up and one lower and that helps them like triangulate. That's cool. Prey. But their ears are really gross looking. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Fun fact, owls have gross ears. They do. <laughs> Um, so where are they located in Utah? They are in Utah and Colorado and New Mexico and it looks like Arizona as well. I can't read maps. This is a lot of drawings on one square. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like it's like they took the four corner states like, you know, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah, and then like there's like a bunch of squiggly lines and dots in there, so I'm like looking at this, like <laughs> trying to make out what the states are. Um, so the Mexican spotted owl has the largest geographic range of the three subspecies. The range extends from the southern Rocky Mountains in Colorado and the Colorado Plateau in southern Utah, southward through Arizona and New Mexico, and discontinuously through the Sierra Madre, Occidental and Oriental to the mountains at the southern end of the Mexican plateau. Thorough surveys have been completed in west central Arizona, southern New Mexico, and many of the canyon systems in southern Utah. Very little is known of the owl's range and distribution in Mexico. So, what's their habitat? So, Mexican spotted owls nest, forage, roost, and disperse in a wide variety of biotic communities. They are in mixed conifer forests. They're commonly used throughout the range and may include Douglas firs, white firs, southern western pines, these different types of pines. That's a lot of pines. Um, The understory may include gamble oaks, maples, elders. Highest densities of Mexican spotted owls occur in mixed conifer forests that have experienced minimal human disturbance. Um, They are also in 
Madurian pine oak forest and commonly used throughout the range and in the southwestern U.S. are typically dominated by an overstory of Chihuahua and Apache pines with species such as Douglas fir, Ponderosa pine, and Arizona cypress. Uh, rocky canyons are also utilized by the Mexican spotted owls in the northern part of the range. Nesting habitat is typically in areas with complex forest structure or rocky ca canyons and contains mature or old growth stands, which are uneven aged, multi-storied, and have high canopy closure. Outside of the breeding season, Mexican spotted owls are generally solitary. They like their lonesome. Their home ranges vary from a few hundred hectares to 1,500 hectares. Some may migrate between breeding and winter seasons, traveling 20 to 50 kilometers, or they may migrate vertically from high elevations to lower elevations in the winter. But these owls tend to exhibit high fidelity in their home ranges. Mm -hmm. Juveniles leave their natal territory in September. Dispersing juveniles are found in a variety of habitats, ranging from high elevation forests to canyon juniper woodlands and riparian areas surrounded by desert grasslands. Some juveniles remained in forests similar to typical owl breeding habitat. Through the first winter, some juveniles will travel through a variety of vegetation communities remaining in one area for several weeks before moving on. They roost during the day and hunt at dusk and night. They may leave the roost during the day to capture prey beneath their roost, retrieve catch prey, or to drink and bathe in a stream. And the average adult life expectancy for a Mexican spotted owl in the wild is about 15 years. I don't know if that's good or bad because I don't know how long like, like other owls Let's live. look it up. How long do owls live? Owls live on an average of 5 to 12 years in the wild. Okay. That's, a, that's such a long range though. 5 to so, 12 years. So they seem like they're they're pretty old. Older. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're definitely older. Um, this is neat. I like learning about owls. <laughs> this is cool. I could go down like an owl wormhole. Yeah. Later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican spotted owls are monogamous and generally form long-term bonds with their mates. Aww. Reproductive. I know it's so cute. The reproductive chronology chronology varies somewhat across their range. In Arizona, courtship begins in March, and the female lays two to four eggs in late March to early April. She's solely responsible for their incubation, which typically lasts 30 days. The males, do yeah. <laughs> the males do most of all the foraging for food, so, you know, hunter-gatherer type. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> the eggs hatch in early May, and the nesting owls usually fledge four to five weeks later. Damn, just four to five weeks later? Why did I think, like, birds took, like, months to fledge? No, they gotta get those suckers out of there. Go fly. Find your own food. God, <laughs> shit. I feel like they're, they were just born, and then, like, kicking them out of the crib. Yeah. Uh, the young are dependent upon their parents for food through the summer and eventually disperse from the natal area in the fall. Conservation assessment. The Mexican spotted owl is listed as a threatened species by both the U.S. and Mexican governments and is considered threatened in Colorado, Utah, and the Navajo Nation and a species of concern in Arizona and New Mexico. 
Globally, Mexican spotted owl populations predicted to decline 25 to 50% over the long term. In New Mexico, the populations declined 9% through the 1990s. While wide population fluctuations may be common for owls, these owl populations have been negatively, negatively affected by the loss, degradation, and fragmentation of their habitat as a result of even-aged timber management, urban and suburban development, agricultural development, water development in riparian areas, and mining. Mm-hmm. You know, all the modernizations of this world is killing yeah. the natural communities. Mexican spotted owl populations are also threatened by the potential for catastrophic sand sand replacing well okay this you gotta help me out with this one catastrophic sand replacing fire what's that even mean i think it means like a like stands of trees stand is is usually a word to describe a a group of trees so oh i guess they're talking about like forestry place big ass for yeah big ass yeah. forest fire <laughs> say that you know they no, couldn't they didn't have to make it that complicated but <laughs> so i'm not good at reading low fecundity due to small clutch size variability in nesting su- success and delayed onset of breeding also contributes to the problem of, uh, the problem of defining mexican spotted owl populations wow i do not know why it took me that and for everybody who doesn't know um fecundity basically means kind of how fertile you are yeah how many offspring you produce yeah Yeah. so like if you have low fecundity you're not producing that much offspring yeah which threatens a species if they're endangered Mm -hmm. and they don't reproduce a lot yeah and it's like gotta take care of them a little bit more yeah in 2004, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service designated 3.5 hectares. I'm assuming that's what HA means. 3.5 hectares. million hectares. Yeah, which is, yeah. I guess AC is the abbreviation for acre because this yes. is 8.6 million acres mm-hmm. of federal lands in Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah's critical habitat for the Mexican spotted owl. The Endangered Species Act requires federal agencies to ensure that activities they authorize, fund, or carry out are not likely to destroy or negatively alter critical habitat. Which is what I was talking about earlier. Yep. I'd also like to add, just as somebody who has an idea of of the way climate change impacts these type of habitats, these birds seem like they're alpine-dependent species. They're not necessarily living in the deserts and you can really tell that by their range it's very patchy yeah which is indicative of an alpine based animal and that they need kind of those cooler you know upland forests as their habitat and with climate change you know it doesn't just affect like latitudinally getting warmer as you go farther north it also impacts elevation um, so typically at higher elevations it's colder, but if climate change is an effect, those, you know, low or higher temperature environments are going to keep moving up the mountain. The problem with mountains is once you get to the tippy top, there ain't no more else to go. So these kind of habitat patches are going to slowly disappear as climate change becomes more of an issue because they are right. essentially like islands. That's very, very true. Um, which is, I'm interested, it's curious that they didn't include that 
in this, but that from what we read about like their life history and all of that stuff, that's yeah, that I would think would be the biggest issue. But what do I know? I'm a fish biologist. <laughs> <laughs> they also are in Texas a little bit. I'm looking at this interactive map on fws.gov. Yeah, and they're like, like in the yeah. like armpit of Texas, like over there, which is pretty much where Big Bend is. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. They're like in like El Paso's over this way. Yeah, El Paso's at the tip of that yeah. little extension, but. Yeah, and it looks like they're also in the Guadalupe Mountain National Park, too, which... Oh, check that out. Yeah, Big Bend Ranch State Park, Big Bend National Park, Black Gap Wildlife Management Area. Yeah, they're all over the place. Well, maybe I'll see some next week. <laughs> I hope you do. That would be really cool if you did. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Well, Cool. Well, thanks for that. I think, yeah, I like this idea going forward of, like, I like talking about cryptos, don't get me wrong, but I feel like we should save that for actual spooky season. And yeah. Just because, I don't know, we're scientists and maybe we should put out some real facts. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. For sure. Um, but this time I'll let you know ahead of, more ahead of time what you're going to be, where we're going to be talking about. That's um, quite all right. All right. Well, this one actually didn't end super bad at all. So not that we really need it, but um, happy things. Happy things. I'm going to go ahead and say that I get to go to Misfit Thanksgiving for the third or fourth time this year. Yay. Like, I, I, I'm just really grateful that I have like a place to go to for Thanksgiving since yeah. I don't go home. And it's like the same people every year that do it. And just like, more people get added because more people you know are misfits throughout mm-hmm. the years yeah and so um yeah I'm doing that for Thanksgiving this year and my boyfriend is staying here and so is his brother so we're all just gonna go over there for Thanksgiving because their family does odd years is family Thanksgiving for them and even years is family Christmases gotcha so that's like their year to not do a Thanksgiving well, that's nice. I guess mine is also, I mean, we already talked about Big Ben. Um, finally, we're finally going on a trip that's not related to somebody else and their needs. Not that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't go to people's weddings, but it's just been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. So we're doing that next week. Um, So when this episode drops, I will be in the Chisos Mountains, um, which I'm psyched about because I haven't been to the desert or to the mountains in a while so there's that um yeah, it'll be fun but also ethan my brother just got stationed at fort hood uh so he's coming down for thanksgiving the leave worked out so we're gonna have uh a little brother sister reuniting just like marzi is uh... having a brother sister reuniting although i don't know how thrilled about it she is right now yeah <laughs> And actually, that's where she's going to be while we're in Big Bend. We're literally just going to do a prisoner exchange. Like That's here. funny. Uh, we have all the dogs now. When they come back, it's like, here's all the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to have a house full of puppies. And it'll be nice. It's all good. 
That sounds mm. nice. Definitely a lot calmer about it all than I was earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Other happy thing is I put up Christmas decorations. So I see that. There's there's that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna do that on Friday. Um when Thanksgiving is officially over and the boys will let me do it. Yeah. So. I just dealt with the aggressive size from my boyfriend <laughs> that's all i did what a, it's you know it's a season christmas is a season and thanksgiving is a day i agree so. and it's like i heard this on the radio today it's like you know christmas starts after halloween and then you like take a pause for thanksgiving mm-hmm. and then after thanksgiving you you resume the christmas Right. So it's like, we make time for Thanksgiving, but it's also just like, there's, I don't know. I asked my boyfriend, I was like, there's no decorations for Thanksgiving. And he was like, you had them up. You had the pumpkins and the fall leaves. And I was like, (laughs) okay, but like (laughs) Christmas, I don't want, I don't have turkeys around here. I don't have like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't have Thanksgiving stuff. Definitely part of the reason why I don't decorate for Christmas yet is because I like having all my pumpkins around. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. When I wait, it also seems like Christmas just goes by so fast. Yeah. I like also don't have a lot of fall decorations. I have more Christmas decorations than fall. Mm-hmm. But like being in a new house, I know I need to like buy more decorations to fill spaces and decorate too. So like I wanted to put up the Christmas stuff so I could see what I mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. and like had time to like purchase more decorations to yeah. decorate. So that was also part of my reasoning. Yeah. But I even asked sure. him. I was like, hey, do you mind if I put up Christmas decorations today? And he was <laughs> like, I, I I pulled the line. I will say that I pulled the line where I was like, it would make me really happy if I could. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he said that he was fine with it. And then I like brought all the boxes out and he's in the kitchen and he looks up from like doing the dishes and he goes, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, hey, you said I could do this. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I'm, I got on the point. I have multiple boxes now, too. So I'm with you on that. But, All right. Well, it looks like it's almost 10 o'clock your time. So it is. And I'm yawning aggressively. Do we want right now. to um, let everybody know where they can find us? Sure. You guys can find us on the socials. I guess we're dropping Twitter now. Yeah, let's we're dropping twitter i need i just need to go do it i just haven't done it yet speaking of twitter i have been like more on twitter now that elon musk has taken over just to watch the shit show go down yeah like like... sitting back with popcorn like oh what's gonna happen like i was watching the things he tweets and i'm like dear god this is awful it's it is but it's also like so fun to watch And I saw something on Reddit that was just like, he has billions of dollars. And if he were to have just paid like the whatever hundreds of Twitter employees, like a certain amount, like a million dollars a person, he would still have money to buy like a small town, like, (laughs) or, or he would still have like billions of dollars or whatever. Yeah. And somebody commented like, imagine spending enough money to buy a small town and still having like money left over right it's like you could pay them to quit like you could pay them a million dollars to quit and you would still (laughs) still be just fine yep 
yeah wild. so we're probably gonna drop twitter not that i ever used it anyway I so either. sorry guys but anyway yeah so you can find us on instagram <laughs> <laughs> at uh mother nature will kill you podcast and then we have a website mother nature will kill you podcast.com and then you can find us on any streaming platform so that's mm-hmm. like spotify google apple what have you and we have been talking and thinking about starting up both a TikTok and also a Facebook group for uh, the older generations that listen mm-hmm. um, and TikTok for all of those little baby Gen Zs. So that's in the future uh, yeah. soon. So um, also, uh, if you have a survival story of your own that you would like to submit, um if you yourself have gotten stuck in quicksand and survived we want to hear about it um it doesn't have to be anything as crazy as this story but it can be something like you just felt uncomfy in nature or things got a little sketchy when you were out on the water you know things like that um and you can submit that to our um website has a story submission section you just type up your little story and hit send and I'll send to our email but you can also um, contact us via gmail as well um, if you want to support the podcast but don't have any money because we live in an Elon Musk uh, capitalist hellscape uh, you can support us by giving us a five star review on any of our listening platforms to kind of help bump us up the charts um yeah so that about wraps this one up uh thanks for listening everybody that's it (laughs) that's it that's all we got that's all i got for you we did a shorter one today because i i went deep i did a deep dive into the daughter party yeah (laughs) but i feel like the donner party had to be a deep dive yeah there's just too many people to talk about in the first that's half the problem you know i was on tiktok and i saw this girl like make a tiktok jokingly about like oh remember that one time like when we were camping in the sierra nevada mountains and like you know i heard children laughing when i was like in my tent but then i realized i wasn't camping with any children around in my head, I was like, oh, those are all the dead children from the Donner Party. Shit! <laughs> Run! Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> um, yeah, so next episode, we're going to continue on with slightly more modern stories and chilly, chilly t- stories because, you know, it's Christmas season. So we're going to talk about snow and ice. Yes. And all that good stuff. Um, all right. So with that. Until next time, stay safe, but most of all, stay curious, explorers. Bye-bye. See you later.